Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Holly. I'm your co-host, Melody. And I'm your co-host, Jennifer. We're going to be talking about teaching art, but before we get into that topic, I want to know what everybody's been doing lately. Jen, what have you been doing? Well, my uh, co-op that my family belongs to is is winding up for the year. This was our last week of classes and our last week of group kickball and all kinds of fun things we do together. Uh, so we've been finishing up and kind of appreciating all the work they've done all year and that the moms involved have also done all year. <laughs> um, so it's been nice to see the progress. Yeah, that's really fun and very gratifying when you realized you got to the finish line, you can look back and see what you did. Feels good to be over and looking forward to just, you know, some fun downtime too. What have you been up to, Melody? Well, I'm happy to report that I have running water in my kitchen sink now. Yay! Yeah. And so, you know, every week brings some new small progress and I celebrate every single one. <laughs> so You have to. One yeah. of the one of the cabinets that was, you know, out of stock is finally on its way and it's like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna get to like move out of boxes a little bit more. So that's good and then, you know, we planted mm-hmm. some tomatoes and I got some things sorted outside it was that whole thing it's like if I can't do anything inside what can I do outside so there you go that was <laughs> but this the running water in the kitchen sink was the highlight of my week last week <laughs> oh it's excited. awful when you can't just go to the sink and turn on water and rinse your fingers or you know wash a dish right well now we have to unlearn to not go to the ba- I mean I can't even tell you I lost count of how many times I wa- start to walk into the bathroom because we had that was running water there and realize, no, turn around, go to the kitchen. (laughs) It's funny how quickly we retrain ourselves, you know? Yes, it is. So that's what we're doing. How about y'all? Well, um, like Jennifer, we've wrapped up a few things. So my son's running series ended um, the week before Easter, which was wonderful. It's a nice little five-week series. And I'm trying to think some other things wrapped up. Um, you know, we've been so busy. My son started speech therapy, uh, so we had to get that on the calendar. And it's been interesting um, sitting in with his sessions and and hearing what the speech therapist tells him. Um, I tried to help him. He has an issue with his R sounds. And I tried to help him, but whatever I did wasn't working. And this lady is helping him. And we're already noticing after two sessions an improvement in his speech. That's great. Yeah, it was real frustrating for him because he'd come up to me and try to say something like the word forward, but it came out like far, we didn't know what Mm -hmm. he was saying. And he was frustrated. And then I have to ask him questions, try to figure out the word. And then it'd be like, oh, forward, (laughs) you know, so um, and he's nine and a half. So I thought, well, it's just time. So anyway, we've been going to speech therapy and um, he's still doing parkour which he'll just, they'll keep doing it all summer. I asked the coach, well, is it ever going to be too hot? And he oh. said, if it gets to 100, <laughs> you know, we're, we're here in Texas. And he said, well, if it gets to 102, we won't have parkour. Oh, wow. So, yeah. But, but he does it at area parks. So one of the parks has a splash pad that'll be running pretty soon. And the other one is. At, That's good. Yeah. And the other one's in a um, complex that has a pool. So uh, we parents have been talking about how we'll just plan to get into water 
after parkour. Yeah. So yeah, Are, summer's about to start. Is seems. that with other homeschool kids? Or yeah, yeah. So this guy, um, he does parkour with all kinds of groups, um, mm-hmm. and he's mainly based in Austin. So he does some in the evening, uh, early evening and afternoon hours. But someone had asked him if he'd do a homeschool one. And he said, yeah. So he, now he's been coming out to our county and I'm working really hard getting him a lot of business. I post every week about <laughs> where we're going to be, you know, because uh, the man drives down from North Austin, yeah, um, which is a long drive. And I, I want him to keep coming. Uh, I think it's a really valuable class and it's affordable and it's outdoors. It's just ticking all my boxes. So anyway, I guess we'll be doing parkour all summer and just making sure that we have plenty of sunscreen and somewhere to cool off after. <laughs> I think anyone who's listened to our podcast for a while knows that I am a liberal arts girl and um, and art is something that I think is really, really important. So let's talk about what we mean when we say we're going to talk about art, first of all, because uh, it could encompass a lot of things, but we're going to kind of narrow the focus. Right. So let's talk about that, Jen. Well, I think for purposes of this episode, we're talking about the visual arts, Um so because it's such a huge topic, so we're separating it out, the visual arts, first of all, out from things like music and theater and um, other things like that. Um, but to me, when I think of visual arts, it enc- still encompasses a lot of things. It's, you know, drawing and painting, but also things like crafts, uh, you know, knitting and building things and sculpture and things like that. Yeah, I think that um, when we talk about art, like I do think textile art, there's textile art where like people are making uh, wall hangings and things. And then there's right. the kind of textiles that are more like handicrafts. And then, you know, mm-hmm. you said about building things. And so I mean, think we could agree that uh, there's a lot of architecture that's art, but that probably isn't included yeah. in art. Typically, most people, their first thought is art, drawing, painting, coloring, um, those kinds of, I mean, kind of that's what we think about with, when we're talking about in the context of homeschool. They're typically thinking mm-hmm. about drawing and coloring at the beginning. So Right, I I'm, think so. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we're talking about many aspects of art today. Yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of ways to be artistic. But when we're talking about teaching it at home, it's probably going to be at, in its more basic forms. So I think we agree what art is. Or You've got paints and pencils and you've got some clay probably for sculpting and things like that. So let's talk about why we want to take the effort to teach art i think art is a just part of life like we all recognize when things are aesthetically pleasing and when things make you uncomfortable so much of that has to do with some kind of artistic expression of Mm -hmm. someone along the line whether we're talking about even things like a room that's put together in such a way that it feels comfortable versus something where things are just jarring in some way in the same way um for us, that applied to art. We've got, my grandmother was an artist, actually both my grandmothers. And so for us, there was always an element of expressing yourself in some kind of skill, right. creative way. And so for us, so we just started off, I don't think I called it a separate, it wasn't really a separate, today we are going to do art. It was just like, oh, here's some paper, here's some crayons, here's some markers, or finger paint, or 
you know, with little people, they're doing some sort of decorative thing with their macaroni and cheese. So it was just <laughs> part of being creative around the house. But we did do some, you know, okay, you're, they're always trying to draw things. Like, I didn't want to change that. I wanted it to retain its childlike quality. But they sometimes were frustrated that their person wasn't looking the way they wanted it to. And so then right. we would start talking about, okay, well, um, let's try this. And just the way to teach them to see things, see that this is a, a circle and this is a square and see how it's about half of that shape and breaking it down in that way. So from the beginning, we just kind of incorporated it with things that we did. We recognized the beauty in nature. We recognized the beauty in people's creations and that just kind of naturally led into studying artists and their works. And and then, you know, sometimes you look at something and wonder how, how did, like when I see a sculpture, how do they make that marble oh, come sure. alive? Right. And yes. so just to share that fascination and awe with the kids day by day. Mm-hmm. I agree with all that. And I, I really think teaching art is so important because it, it helps children learn to be observant and it gives them an opportunity to express themselves. You know, art is actually yes. used as therapy and it's often offered to children who have been in some stressful situations. And looking at art and learning about it and being able to create it mm-hmm. adds a dimension of richness to your life. You know, and it gives you empathy and understanding for other people. You know, teaching artists right up there with teaching kids how to read. What do you feel about it, Jennifer? I agree with all of the things you've said. And I also, it, being able to foster a sense of creativity and, again, with the self-expression with your kids is so important. I think there's been numerous articles also linking, you know, creativity with increased intelligence also. And that, you know, pairing the two things together and that kids who learn the tools of being able to be creative are also more successful in other areas of studies uh, because of the flexibility that it teaches. But I also think exposing your kids to all different types of art um, helps them see that people express themselves in all different ways and it gives them kind of a a space to be able to do their own thing in their own artwork. That's a really good point. There are a lot of challenges to teaching art. And when you said that kids can see all different kinds of art, so it helps them to understand their different ways to um, express yourself. I think that's what, you know, one of the reasons why kids sometimes don't want to do art. Yes. Um, They feel like, well, I can't do that. And like, my art doesn't look like that. Right. Um, So a lot of times we might want to teach art, um, particularly the experience of art using the materials, but the kids are like, no, I don't, I don't want to get that goopy clay on my hands or... (laughs) <laughs> I can't make it look like that. So I'm terrible. You know, that that's definitely a big challenge to teaching art. Yeah, I agree. I, some kids are just naturally artistic and it, it's easy for them. But there's definitely I, I mean, several of my boys wanted nothing to do with coloring or painting or <laughs> any of that stuff. And so I had to find other ways to, you know, kind of sneak art into their day uh, in ways that they didn't resist it. And that they could appreciate it. Right, especially if they understood that it's another way of expression. Yes. Um, like writing or singing or but mm-hmm. coloring and drawing can be too. And I remember when I was doing an art class at your academy, Holly, there was a student who was sure 
that he was not an artist and he was in that class because there wasn't another place he could be at that particular time. But he mm-hmm. just was certain that he could not. And as we went along, because, you know, we all the things that y'all have said, encouraging them, showing them, like, it's, it's a skill you can learn. And your art may not look like anyone else's, but it's still creative and it's still expression. By the end, he was producing some pretty impressive. Anyway, he told me, he's like, oh, I realized that I, I can draw and I can be an artist. It's like, I think nothing thrilled me more that whole year than to watch this young man blossom in that way. And just instead of it being something mysterious that only some people can do, it's something everybody can do. Right. And That's awesome. You want to, you want to encourage like nobody, no two people's art has to look the same. And I, in the beginning, when they're learning like handwriting, letters do have to look like the letter. Mm-hmm. So they kind of get locked into this idea that if I draw a cat, it has to look like right. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have to help them, you know, no, your cat, your cat is fine. Yeah. Once you show um, kids, you know, a Picasso cat and a Renoir cat. And right. Yes. They can tell. Okay. Well, it, Absolutely. they can all be cats. That's okay. Yeah. Well, the right or some abstract art that's just colors, and then they yeah. realize, you know, this is in a gallery. It's like, yes. Oh, and and very expensive too. <laughs> yes, they right. are. Well, so student resistance is half of the challenge that we often face when we're trying to teach art. The other is that if you are a person who doesn't feel confident as the teacher of right. art. Now, I I love art. I took art all four years in high school. I took art summer school when I was a kid I'd be like can I go take art classes sure (laughs) I feel like I could just do art all day long um I have a student who's resistant (laughs) but uh but you know Uh if you're a person who doesn't feel confident in teaching art that might make you try not to do it and I know Melody you're pretty gifted in it with your own artistic uh, abilities but have either of you felt like lack of confidence to teach art I would say for me, there were areas of art that I don't know much about, particularly art history. But like with any other subject that I've helped teach my children throughout the years, I I just educated myself on it. And then I felt good about it. And I think with art for us adults, that exposing yourself to art is very helpful with that because even if you don't know a lot of technical aspects of art or art history if you just you know go to museums and watch documentaries and look at art pieces eventually you'll find things that pique your interest and then you'll also start learning more about art and you can do that right along with your children that is the most wonderful thing about homeschooling I think is that we don't have to be experts or have teaching degrees in a certain area Because that opportunity to learn is open throughout our lives. You know, the learning lifestyle that we say every week. Um, But but it's so true is that if you don't know something, there's no barrier to learning it. The resources are there. And I think art's a perfect subject to do that with because some of us just aren't skilled at, you know, our typical artwork. And that's okay. And showing your your kids that you're also learning right along with them is, is really wonderful. Yeah, I often will sit down with my son when we have an art lesson that requires us to create a piece of art. Um, and I'll, I'll make something right along with him. And sometimes my stuff isn't that good. I'll say, yeah, that didn't turn out how I wanted it to, but it was still fun to do it, you know? And I think that's important is to, 
to bring a sense of wonder and a sense of interest to the whole topic. And, and you know, we're going to experience this together. We went to an art museum last year. Um, it was the Museum of Western Art. And I'm not super into cowboys, but I said, hey, we're in this town and we're looking for things to do on our vacation. Let's go. And I was blown away by what I saw there. And I, I thought, now nah, it'll be eh, okay. My son went through the gallery really fast. He, he looked at a painting for two seconds. He wanted to go on to the next one. But there were some things in there that he found interesting because it had a whole, a whole section of covered wagons and stuff that he could get into and clothes from, from the pioneer era. Um, so, you know, there was something that caught his interest too. And we had a great time. But, you know, we, we had to bring that sense of wonder, like, wow, uh, how do you think that they painted that? And how would you get a horse to stand still to paint that painting? And, you know. Asking your kids their opinions of art pieces is, is big and getting getting their interest peaked. Um, I also just took my two, uh, two of my adult kids to an art museum two weeks ago. And they're two that are not very into art, but. And, you know, in every room we were in, I asked them, so what's your favorite piece in this room? And they, you know, would pick what they liked in the room and then they'd be able to tell me what they appreciated about it. So asking your kids at all ages, hey, what do you like about this? What do you not like about this? Helps them understand how to talk about art also. Yeah. And it, I think it decreases their resistance because yes. they feel like it's okay to have an opinion. Exactly. Um, you know, I, mm-hmm. I love um, impressionist art mm-hmm. and I... I really, you know, I just, I just could eat, sleep and breathe it. And I know some of my kids weren't that interested and they thought all art had to be impressionist. Um, this <laughs> go round, I'm trying, uh, trying to be a little more global with the art and we all have ex- experienced challenges and we're going to talk in the next part about what methods we use, what strategies and resources we use so we can overcome the challenges. The sun is out, the weather is warm, and spring break is over. That means it's transcript season. Whether your student is college-bound this fall or entering the workforce, they'll need a transcript. That's true. My oldest son has never gone to college, but he repeatedly needs me to get his transcript when he changes positions in his company. Math fan or math phobic? Either way, Transcript Maker calculates GPA for you. Instead of compiling data for hours, simply insert the credits and grades and the GPA appears on the transcript just like magic. Hard drive errors can cause you to lose all sorts of important documents. Transcript Maker has you covered by keeping your transcript in the cloud, safe and sound whenever and wherever you need it. Some free trials require you to put in your payment information, but Transcript Maker's 14-day free trial is truly free. You don't need to enter your payment information and it cancels itself after two weeks. When you decide to subscribe, use our exclusive coupon code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps and save 20% off the cost of your subscription. Transcript Maker. Simply better transcripts. Welcome back to the podcast. In the first half, we discussed what art is and why teach it and the challenges we might face in trying to teach it. In this half, we're going to talk about our methods, strategies, and the resources we used for teaching art to our students. Jen, why don't you share with us some of the methods you've used? Well, over the many, many years of teaching all of my kids, I've probably utilized every method of teaching art. Uh, I did at one point use uh, curriculum 
to teach uh, more traditional art with my kids. I had a, I use a curriculum called Artistic Pursuits. Oh, uh, that's on my desk right now. <laughs> yes, yeah, love awesome. that curriculum. And I didn't, you know, typically what I do, I did not use it the way it's meant to be used. We started for kindergarten with some of my older kids, even though it was just for kindergartners. You know, I didn't do it in order, none of that. But it was a great base, especially for art history, which I didn't know a lot about at the time. So I love that. I highly recommend that curriculum. But I also, as mostly unschoolers, we kind of fit art into everything we were doing. So if we were reading a book together and the kids, you know, would they would create a book after we read the book and there would be art involved in the illustrations or for history, anytime we've studied a history topic, we've gone to an art museum to find things from that period of history. That's helped tremendously with my kids who are kind of anti-art. <laughs> Linking it into other subjects has given them a greater appreciation for art in so many ways. But even, you know, when they were little for science, we would do color mixing or, you know, things like that. A lot of um, our art experiences have been field trips um, over the years. Lots of exposure to public art, sculpture gardens, murals, graffiti parks, uh, things like that. I think those are really great methods. What about you, Melody? We did a lot of the same kinds of things. Wherever we went, we drew their attention to public art and different installations here and there because we live near Austin, so there are a lot of really nice things to go and do and see. But as far as like just along every day as part of our regular lessons, alongside with writing, there would be some drawing, which was like not art necessarily in the way that we're talking about it, but from an early age, they would be drawing pictures and I would be asking them to tell me about their picture and then I would write down what they said. And so I kept, of course, I kept everything because they were so cute. There were a lot of stories and a lot of pictures. And then as they moved into keeping a journal, they would write about half of the page. And then, of course, they would draw the bottom of it. And so they just started throughout time. Writing and drawing were things that kind of went along together. And from that, we just jumped off. I mean, there was always always Play-Doh and clay and paint and things like that. It's fun things to do to occupy those free hours and we always liked messing around with those things too. So art for us in the beginning was more about the process. Well, it's like that for anything. It's about the process in the beginning. Get your hands in there. Play with it. We mentioned that in the first half. Some of them don't like that tactile aspect of it. Some of them can't mm-hmm. get enough. Um, but we just kind of incorporated it whatever we were studying. We would look at the art of the time period or the geographical area, and we would try our hand at some of those kind of things. And I just worked on making it part of everything we studied. I wanted them to have an appreciation for it. Um, not necessarily that it was our goal for you to be this outstanding like figure artist or something like that, but just to have the skill, just to learn how to, be able to, if you wanted to, to recreate what you saw and, and do a little sketch or something. And, you know, I've asked my kids what, what did they remember about art at our home school, and they've said to me, it's like, well, mostly that it was something we got to do. <laughs> it's like not something we had to learn, but it was something we got to do. We had opportunities to be creative if we wanted to, and it was mm-hmm. such a fun part of the day. But I don't 
I mean, they did, as kids didn't realize how much learning I was milking mm-hmm. out of those activities. Yeah, I think that for me, because I followed the Ambleside online curriculum, which is a Charlotte Mason method, um, for a long time, we have studied artists. So we have an artist that we study for a period of 12 weeks. We have three terms. And so um, I display the art. I have some, oh, I, I put up some strings that are attached to some push pins. And I just kind of clip up the art pieces that we're studying. And we intentionally will go and just look at the art. We don't talk about a whole lot at the first blush. We just go look at it. Hey, uh-huh. this is the painting we're going to look at today. What do you see in the painting? And so from about kindergarten, my kids are looking at art. And then we'll talk about it. What do you, what do you notice that's the same as people now? And which is, I think, important when you're looking at paintings from four or five hundred years ago to really understand that people were still people (laughs) they ate food they had pets you know they what's different about now you know so we look at those things and then as we go along we will talk more about um the time that the art was created oh that was you know 400 years ago oh that art is very realistic oh that art is not very realistic so uh, where I'm constantly, um, you know, exposing art to my son on a daily basis, he sees the paintings up all the time. Right. And we don't always talk about it. But then we also have art instruction. And, and like you, Jen, I have been using artistic pursuits. And I, I do kind of follow it along because I'm kind of a sequential person where I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is building on something else, yes. you know. Uh-huh. Um, so when we have the art Um, instruction portion I'll sit down and do the art with my son which I really enjoy Mm -hmm. because I love to do art and then we also talk about how art can have impact in people's lives it can it can tell us things about what was going on at the time I did a class on art uh, propaganda art with some high schoolers last year and that they were very interested in that topic so that really helped them you know to look at different types of artwork yeah, you can just you can just learn so much about the time period that people were living in and exposing kids to art, like you said, going to museums. I think we all agree that those are those are the great methods for exposing kids to art and giving them an appreciation for it and a desire to create it. I think sometimes kids see art and then they're like, "Huh, I bet I bet I could do something like that." Yeah, you know, so it in, it's inspiring them. I have a certain day of the week that. I, I set aside for art instruction, but we look at our artists' works every day. Did you, do you have a certain, like a, a certain strategy you use to bring art into your schooling or? For me, I would say it was more of a constant exposure. And so all the things you're saying, even starting at a young age, uh, you know, toddler board books, they have books of real you know art for toddlers to look at and things like that so just having those things around your house having coffee table books of art that they can look at um having pictures on the wall that are you know either famous art or new art or you know different types of things for them to be exposed to that are just there for them to view Mm -hmm. without like you said without having to have a discussion about it or anything like that just it's there but as far as the actual art tools like paints and paper and play-doh and all of that so in my house that was just an always that was 
mm-hmm. they had those tools available to use anytime they wanted in any way they wanted. Uh, so we didn't, I didn't really have a set strategy on approaching those things. It was just the availability of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Melody, what about you? Uh, same thing. Our materials were always available and many afternoons somebody was doing some sort of art mm-hmm. and it was just part of what we did but we also took advantage of the books at the library like your conversations about art that you were speaking about earlier remind me of those come look with me books mm-hmm. of art, famous artworks or classic artworks for children and so we would bring those home from the library but my approach was a little more random where yours is planned out ours was like kind of like I said, a little bit random, except for when it went along with some unit that we were studying. Mm-hmm. And then I would, you know, stretch those unit fingers out way far and mm-hmm. pull in the artwork and we would try our hand at those projects. And so if you're talking about like, where did we schedule that in the week? Usually that was toward the end of the week. We would be studying something and we would finish up with these fun activities, creating things and making things. But sometimes the project would be like a large one that I knew was going to take. Ongoing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it would just keep on going and, until it we finished or we had enough or we're ready to move on to something mm-hmm. else. And, and that was something else. It was okay to leave things unfinished. You know, artworks that are ongoing. If if you're through with it or it served its purpose for you at the time, it's I didn't make the right. finish art pieces. Yeah. I could come back to it later or maybe they're through. And it's just, you know, something that lost interest in or they learned from it what they needed. Yeah, there's no better way to kill the love of art than to turn it into some kind of a, you got to get in here and finish this thing. Well, yeah, and that's, that would be silly. And from time to time, um, like I mentioned before, my husband's mother was an artist and um, she would, she would show them how to do some things with pastels. I remember one time my son spent the night with her, he came home with this little bird that he had drawn with her help with the pastel so there were opportunities to do little special things like that but we really Mm -hmm. didn't really take any classes we just explored a lot of art things and I feel like that worked I have some pretty artistic children and you definitely do (laughs) a couple of them are you know it's like part of their job so it's like okay um I think that that kind of freewheeling exploratory way to do it was beneficial for us and then we did the art history and that kind of art exploration happened mostly in high school as a study for art history or as we're learning the history of the world we looked at the art right. and how it changed and mm-hmm. I kind of just ex- incorporate whatever I can into whatever we were studying and now and then we would take a long approach and just you know let's look at art through the years and kind of look at how things changed like you mentioned earlier and to see what conclusions we could draw from that and compare it to our own art. And then sometimes it's fun to try to, can you create a work of art in that style that looks like that? Mm-hmm. And um, those were fun. Ours usually did not look like that with the artists, except for maybe Picasso or when we got into some Impressionist <laughs> things with watercolors. But um, when you start looking at the real realistic art going, you know, way back during the Renaissance and, Reformation, those spirit that just created some different appreciation for the skill it took to create these mm-hmm. works. A woman I've been following on Instagram, her name is Amber O'Neill Johnston. She's got um, Heritage Mom, 
Uh, she says uh, she has a Charlotte Mason uh, school where Charlotte Mason wears an afro. And I really love Aww. the things that she shares. Yeah, she's awesome. But she she shares a lot of art that was created by um, people of color. I am so thrilled for the fact that she's done all this work and she shares these resources on her Instagram. And I have started incorporating those into my school. I uh, had missed out on a lot of beautiful art and and really interesting creations because I had only been um, exposed to art from a certain viewpoint. Right. You know, I said earlier that I had, we'd gone to the Museum of Western Art and when uh, at the time that we went, they had a beautiful exhibition of Native American art and Native uh-huh. American beadwork. And I mean, it was absolutely stunning. And I, you know, I, I kept pointing out to my son, like, you need to come and look at these things. These things are amazing. Can you imagine how long it took to sew each of these beads and to make the beads? And, um, you know, I think it's very, very important that we have diversity in art and that we, we learn about the, the different artists um, who have been making all these amazing things and not just let ourselves get limited to you know, the most well-known European artists that everybody has heard of. I think that's awesome. I also, it goes back to us always learning more ourselves too, because in all subjects, we don't necessarily need to teach things the way we learned them because things are changing. We're learning more. um, And we, you know, our kids deserve for us to invest a little bit of time and seeing what else should they learn that maybe we didn't learn. And, mm-hmm. and art's a great area to do that with. We talked about um, artistic pursuits as one of our resources. Um, got a big thumbs up from you and uh, Jen and from me. Um, what other resources have y'all used for um, teaching art to your children? Picked up books here and there. I, like There's a book, Drawing with Children by Mona Brooks that I found at the library, I'm sure. And one of my one of my children was particularly interested in drawing and pretty skilled at it. At a at a young age, the point to us like there's a skill here and a talent that we want to support and develop. And mm-hmm. we worked through some of the ideas in that book a little bit, drawing on the right side of the brain. These are old books, but I've seen them still out there. Just books that help so you look at something and analyze what you're seeing, you know, so that you could recreate it. And like this circle is, you know, here's the top of the candle. It's a circle, but I'm looking at it from this angle. So it's kind of flat. So it's more of an ellipse and just how to translate what you're seeing with your eyes all the way down to coming out the tip of your pencil, you know, can we recreate it? And so I guess that was sort of our curriculum. We used that a little bit. And then other books at the library, like the Kids Multicultural Art Book, which kind of goes along with what you were saying, Holly. Oh, I love that. That book has got all kinds of ideas, and we would try those things out. And just different um, art books. We were pretty big on bringing home big, big, big stacks of books from the library, and I would stick some art books in there that typically went along with whatever you know we were studying but sometimes the kids would find things and and bring them home and we would explore those things and then I just um, made sure we had lots of paper lots of paper and crayons and pencils and markers and things I wasn't really big on coloring books I wanted them to just draw you know draw on paper I know that a lot of people love coloring books 
but I was not a big fan. I wanted them to just explore and draw and draw and draw and draw. Yeah, we we have a lot of those similar books. I have Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. And I have a lot of books of different artists or different styles of art. Um, I particularly like, even though I just spoke about diversity um, and Sister Wendy's mainly, you know, uh, Western Western civilization. But Sister Wendy, if you need to educate yourself, you want to get Sister Wendy's The Story of Painting. Super comprehensive. I, I bought that for myself because I just thought it was an absolutely gorgeous book and full of information. She also had a series on PBS. So for yourself as say, a, yeah, a, a don't miss series. Yeah, it's super good. Super good. And then other resources that um, I, I have bought Prismacolor pencils and I give those to those my son. Great. You know, Crayola pencils are really not that satisfying to use and you yeah. can't get some of the, some of the techniques with them. And we have lots of paper and I've, I bought not the best watercolor paper, but I bought watercolor paper um, because you can't get the same effect no, yeah. if you use like printer paper. I love that so, you're bringing this up because quality supplies make a huge difference in yes, art. They do. And they, they last longer and they work better. There's nothing more frustrating than to give kids inferior materials. Um, and you know, you might think, well, they're really expensive. They, and they are, some, some of them are. are, but you know what, when grandma and grandpa want to know what to get the kids for Christmas mm-hmm. or birthday, you can Great ask idea. for some quality art supplies and you can also look for sales. There are companies online, like, um, I think it's, um, Blick art materials. Mm-hmm. They run sales. Let's make art, uh, which is really well known for watercolor. Um, they sell art kits and sometimes they run sales on their art kits. Um, and they have, you know, all the supplies to create certain things. Now those, um, they do, Melody was saying, I don't like coloring books. Um, so Let's Make Art has our outlines that you use in the watercolor painting. But all the painting you do is your own expression. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, you know, there there are places to get the materials, the good materials um, at a discount if you just start watching. But yeah, I, I just, I would just encourage everybody to to get the best materials you can. Um, because it's going to be much more satisfying. Well, and they last longer, too. Mm -hmm. I also encourage people to give their children space to create art. Um, Some people don't like messy, and I totally understand that. In my house, like I said, it was anywhere, anytime, So, and I'm okay with that personally. But I know a lot of people are not okay with that and not okay with, you know, ongoing projects laying out and paints everywhere and things like that. So if you are a person that likes things to be more tidy, I – suggest you give your child a space that is a creative space so that they can leave it messy and leave things out and and you know not have to start and stop creating on your own timetable and just kind of allow a little bit of messy in there that's a good point and that's one reason why I haven't been painting is because every time I want to do something I've got to get all this stuff out yes and find a place to put it so my uh my middle son moved out last year in September and right now his room is kind of the repository of all the stuff I need to go through. <laughs> but once I finish clearing out that room and I, and I get uh, the walls repaired cause he and his brother had some rumpus in there when they were younger and the wall still bears some evidence <laughs> of it. And, and he drew on the walls. That's another thing. 
So, you know, you're talking about give your kids artistic expression. I walked into his room one day and he had drawn all over the walls. And I had a moment where I thought, okay, what is my response to this going to be? And I said, well, it's your room. So you may draw on these walls, but you may not draw on any walls in the rest of the house. That's so funny. I did the same thing. I had yeah. my, one of my daughters, their whole room. I just let them do it. It's really hard to do that, but. <laughs> it is hard to do that, but I had one daughter that now she draws on people. She's a tattoo artist. And she's, she oh my gosh, she's pretty so amazing, but talented. She was allowed a section of a wall that she could draw on and plenty of papers. Like, look, you really have to draw on the, on the paper, but, but you're right, having a space in which to create. And sometimes in our life, we did not have enough space to where I could allow a space to just be right. a creative space. Mm-hmm. And so there mm-hmm. are ways around that where we would either have, you know, a tote or a tray, or it was just part of the process. You put it all up, but you can absolutely get it all back out. Or it mm-hmm. had a semi-parking place, you know, it can be here for now. But there were usually young children that I did not want getting into the, you know, acrylics and things right. like that. <laughs> so things had a, they had a place and they could be easily put up. I guess that was the thing. It was easy to get them out and easy to put them away. Right, making the materials accessible. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I did struggle with that drawing on the wall thing because um, (laughs) it's like... Well, as you can tell, (laughs) it ultimately was useful. Like my son, that he started with drawing on the walls and drawing on paper, and then he became a digital artist. And he's a very artistic person. So, you know, you don't want to get in between the child and their creative process, but you do have to help them understand that you know, not all places are open for that. It's like, <laughs> not everyone would appreciate right. it. Right? Yeah, like I, I like graffiti art, but if somebody came mm-hmm. and graffitied my house, I would be pretty horked not off. Like, you know? Right, and so, so like we don't want to scare anybody. If you're not okay with drawing on the wall, you can tack a like right. a, a roll okay. of art paper. And I did that in, yeah. in one house. It's like I had paper on the wall, and they were drawing on the paper. That was on the wall, but not on the wall. Yeah. But it was still something about that vertical uh, drawing on a vertical surface, completely different from mm-hmm. drawing on a flat surface. And we also mm-hmm. had like yes. chalkboards for the same reason. And I had a friend who put on their outside back porch, she had a huge classroom chalkboard on her outside back porch. It was covered and protected. And the kids, all the neighborhood kids, they drew on that chalkboard mm-hmm. all the time. And it was really fun that they had that right. Big, but yes, yeah, so not. I think telling it's that accessibility. It's easy. For yes, them. accessibility, easy to get out, easy to use. I'd also, while we're talking about tips for parents, I'd also say like hold back on your criticism. Oh, sometimes right. it's we hard. Should. Sometimes it's hard for us as parents, especially like if you're trying to teach, you know, certain art skills. Uh, but this is an area where you should really hold back on that and instead find the good things and, you know, tell them what you like about their art instead of what you don't like about it. Right. And sometimes just to ask them or to ask them to tell me about your picture, because everything doesn't have to be not what is it, but tell me about your picture. Or you can Mm -hmm. say, really, you know, I really like these. These are such bold lines in that bright color, or those are very squiggly lines. Find ways to describe it without you know, squelching it or making it have to be something. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, if you're teaching something as part of the curriculum, obviously you're going to talk about 
what it takes to create that yes. and you're going to try to emulate it. But once they've done the thing, you know, there's no reason they know they already know if it looks right. like what they wanted it to or not. Right. They don't really need you to say, well, now that wasn't a really good <laughs> whatever, you know, because right. you don't want well, them saying then, that to you either. <laughs> and sometimes art is all about exploring and you're not trying yes. to, and you just want to see how does this paint feel as I swash it across this paper mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or if I do, you know, if I do this and then I add this other color, what happens? And not everything is supposed to be a finished piece of art. Sometimes it's right. just exploring your art materials. And that's okay, yeah, too. Just, it's part of the process. Right. One of my favorite things to do when I was a kid and I would take these summer school art classes, I loved to help clean up. And I liked to pour the jars of water down the drain. And it had all the different colors. And I just found mm-hmm. it really enjoyable to watch the colors swirling down the drain. I... To me, that was just really a Zen-like experience, and that there's a value to that. You know, there's a value yeah. to putting color on the paper and seeing what happens when you add it, this color to yellow. Um, my son, we were we were painting something, and he wanted a certain color, and I said, "Yeah, well, uh, you don't have that color, but you can make that color." And then I showed him, you know, if let's think about what colors could make that up, and he thought that was amazing. He's yes. like, "Wow, it that's is so amazing. cool!" <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love, I had to paint a color wheel in one of my art classes. It was a, it was an assignment. We had to paint a color wheel mm-hmm. with, you know, I think out to three or four spokes. I remember and, doing that one too. Yeah, yeah. And I absolutely love mixing colors. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to do. Well, I think, you know, we could, we obviously all enjoy art. We could talk about it all day long, but I think we've given people quite a bit to chew on and to apply in their own homeschools. Here at the end of the podcast, we often tackle a big question that we've been seeing in our homeschool Facebook groups, but today I have a big question, and that is, why are you advertising schools on my homeschool group? Jen, can you relate? (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) I am in so many groups and it's the time of year where everyone's thinking about, you know, what are we doing for school next year? And along with that are all kinds of people posting ads for their schools and they're trying to advertise them as, you know, homeschooling schools, which first of all is not a thing. Right. Can I get a witness? Thank you. Oh, I feel very curmudgeonly about this. Uh, I saw one where a lady was like, hey, we have a homeschool co-op and we've got a couple openings for the fall and we meet Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. And I was like, exactly. No, you are a school. You're just a private school and that's fine. People can choose any type of schooling they like for their children. I support that. But I don't support coming into homeschooling groups and advertising these types of schools. Yeah, it's I think it's disingenuous. Or they don't understand uh, what a school is. So the lady yes. that posted her thing, I said, uh, no, it's a school. You meet four days a week from for a full day. It's a school. Right. And her defense was, but it's parent run. All the parents get together and choose oh. the teachers. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Most schools it's are run by school. parents. <laughs> yeah, it's a school. Right. Well, it's a cooperative um, school, but it's not a yes. home it, school. Right. It's, I mean... When I had the academy, some of the children that came to it 
also went to several other enrichment academies. They didn't really get taught at home at all by yes. any of their parents. And, and that was a la carte private school. It wasn't what I would consider homeschooling. No. And I think that um, some people who are fairly new to homeschooling or they started having their kids learn at home because of uh, the pandemic mm-hmm. aren't really completely understanding the difference between the two entities. Absolutely. And so they, they are, they are genuinely trying to offer something helpful. And I yes. get that. I, I get that. And I that. think that's, yeah. And like, right. Jen, I, I think it's great to have options, but on a list that says it's homeschooling, you know, um, area homeschoolers, county homeschoolers, whatever, the name kind of gives you an idea what that's all about. Mm-hmm. School is not the same thing. And, and uh, you know, an enrichment academy is like one day a week. Um, right. But to me, once it's like you dictate the curriculum and even if it's like there's some university model type mm-hmm. situations where they... They go two days a week and they are at right. home three days a week. But still, if someone else is but telling you what they have to do and when, yes. it's a school. Yes. And one of my big objections to this is that I feel like it makes people who may be new to homeschooling think that this is what they have to do. And I mm-hmm. feel like it it kind of instills a lack of confidence in parents to feel like they're capable of homeschooling their children on their own. I'm this is a topic I'm pretty passionate about actually like I several years ago and I think it stemmed from the you know the enrichment school that we were all in together where Mm -hmm. I saw the kids going to you know each day going to a different school every day and still Mm -hmm. saying they homeschooled and it made me kind of sad for their families to who seemed to think that they weren't capable of teaching their own kids I agree a thousand percent yeah, and we're capable. Everyone is capable, mm-hmm. yes, and you are. can do it. Right. Yeah, and it it may look totally different from yes. every house, and that's perfectly fine because our kids are totally different, and we're totally different. Right. But there are so many resources to support homeschooling that we don't need to sign up for a four-day-a-week school. Right. Yeah, I'm, I feel a little bit like Andy Rooney today. <laughs> But call it a private a la carte school or something. Please don't say that you are a home school um, if you're not. Yeah. And I think that the moderators of these lists, and they do have a big job um, to fill. I think they're really trying to be inclusive. I agree. But I I think it's not helping the home, Mm -hmm. the group to have these kinds of things posted all the time. Because like you said, it it is kind of eroding people's confidence and making them feel like, oh, yeah, I probably can't do that. I better sign my kid up for something. Right. I also think, uh, you know, post COVID and all of that, that there's a possibility that and this may be something we should discuss another time that the actual definition, the general accepted definition of homeschooling has changed. Um, because, you know, in the last couple of years, there's been, you know, school pods and people paying other people to homeschool their children at their homes and things like that have come out of necessity um, that are somewhat new and are now accepted as what is homeschooling. Um, so that might be a change, you know, in the definition of, of the way we all view homeschooling. As well, well, that's 
that is a valid point. Um, and, and I know historically, you know, a long time ago, say in the 1800s, the 1700s, there were a lot of people who were educated in their homes, but they yes. weren't necessarily educated by their parents. Right. They had private tutors and all. And, and that was the norm. And we would think of it as somewhat of like homeschooling. But and I'm in my view, homeschooling really relies heavily on the parent as the primary instructor. I agree. The primary driver of the child's education. But yeah, you're right. The definition of homeschooling might be evolving. And we'll have to see how all that ends up. <laughs> I still don't think it includes a four day a week school though. <laughs> I no, I don't I don't either. I yeah. That's it certainly doesn't in my in my homeschool. Yeah. I like I like to be the boss of my homeschool. I'm not good with other people's schedules. Well, that that is our big question today. And I surely would love to know what other people are thinking. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com. Check out our Instagram at instagram.com slash happyhomeschoolpod. And follow our page and join our group at facebook.com slash happyhomeschoolpod. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Holly. I'm Melody. And I'm Jennifer. Happy Happy homeschooling. homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Holly Williams-Erbach. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-hosts are Melody Gillum and Jennifer Jones. This podcast was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find more of her work on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, tell people about us. Melody, what would you like to say about that? Sorry. <laughs> I totally or lost not. my I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs>